Before we start this week's podcast, we'd like to encourage our listeners to consider donating to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. It's a nonprofit organization that fights for racial justice. Through litigation, advocacy, and public education, they seek structural changes to expand democracy, eliminate disparities, and achieve racial justice in a society that fulfills the promise of equality for all Americans. Visit www.naacpldf.org to donate to an incredibly important cause. Welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Happy Tuesday before the Super Bowl here. Uh, I can't wait. I am so happy to be back here. Uh, After having a week off last week, uh, I missed doing the podcast, believe it or not. I missed chatting with uh, my co-host, Jacob. Uh, So, hello, Jake. How are you doing? Doing so fantastic. We were just talking before we hopped on. I, too, miss... Uh, our podcast just one week away and it was already too many weeks so mm-hmm. i'm excited to be back at it yeah we have got a fun episode here uh, we're, we're, we're going to combine two of our episodes making up for last week into one so we've got our victory laps because uh, we do need to pat ourselves on the back here a little bit let you all know what we got right and then review our bold predictions that we made way back last off season so uh should be a fun one Talk about what we got right this week. A little bit of what we got wrong with our bold predictions. Uh, but we got to hold ourselves accountable. That's what it's all about here. We're here to have fun, be accountable, help you win championships, we hope. That's right. And don't fear. We will be back next week to offset these pats on the back with our face plants. We will talk mm-hmm. at, I'm sure, at length next week. Next week, I'm predicting to be a much uh lengthier oh for sure sure there's there's probably more that we got wrong than we got right but for now let's stay positive i fear uh that me and you have to stay as positive as we can Mm -hmm. considering what happened in the nfc championship i'm still not over it i'm still bitter about that whole thing but i don't know when i will be over it quite frankly As As any true fan, Green Bay always the bridesmaid, never bride. Apparently, Uh, a bad habit that we're getting into here. It is, it is. But NFC Championship two years in a row. I mean, you can't shake a stick at that. You know, when you have teams like the Browns that made it to their first playoff game in twenty five years or something, you know, or the Bills, you know, like they haven't been to the playoffs in quite some time. So, feel good that we've had that consistency there. Perspective, Dustin. That's well, right. well said. Well, well said. I always look at the bright side of things. So there you have it. Uh, but before we get in to the episode, we need to talk about what we're drinking this evening. So Jake, God start us right. off. God damn right we do. I am drinking uh, a nice tall boy tonight. If you can see that guy, this is a fun little local. Uh, so it's from Hop Garden, which is brewed in my favorite city, uh, to say, from Wisconsin, Oconomowoc. It's brewed in Oconomowoc. Uh, this is a Paul Palooza Festival, Festival Red. It's a red lager. Uh, what's extra fun about this is that a, per- a percentage of the proceeds helps to fund fun for kids with physical disabilities. So it's a good beer for a good cause. Oh, I like that. Well, how I, about you? I am drinking uh, a beer uh, brewed out of Beloit, Wisconsin, also local. Uh, this is from G5 Brewing Company, and this is called Fa Yes. It's a horchata white stout. I'm so interested it's, in what is what this thing tastes like. It's it's interesting. All of those I mean, words it's sound mesmerizing. It, it's it looks like a kind of like a hazy cream ale almost uh it's like a wheat it doesn't like a wheat it's definitely got that spice you know like that mexican like cinnamon it's got that like cinnamon uh spice flavor to it um has a little bit of that stout roasty flavor but not super strong um i just taste more of the 
like caramel malts. It's it's got it more of a it's it's very sweet. It's a very sweet beer. Uh, not bad Is by any stretch. Sweet? No, 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 not too sweet. Uh, probably only going to have one of these, and be, it's it's a one beer kind of sitting uh, beer. Can't have multiples for me at least. But I brought a backup gotcha. beer. I got a nice. Uh, it's called Zool. It, it is oh, a, a Zool? it is a Doppelbach. So uh, that that will be my backup beer after I I finish this horchata stout here. That's probably going to be a little bit sweet though, too, isn't it? Doppelbachs aren't they typically a little more on the uh, sweeter side? Uh, they can be. I mean, it's a lager, so lagers don't typically get too sweet. Um, yeah. yeah, not like NWO too sweet. Am I right? Am I right with this? You're... Anybody? WCW? <laughs> oh, it's fine. Geez. We don't have to acknowledge it, Dustin. <laughs> Just move on. I don't know if I can move on after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Fine. So I didn't really look over the show sheet before we got going here, but do we have a drunk trade, Jake, this week? Or are no we just going to skip it? This week, I, I feel wah, because wah. we're already supersizing this episode, uh, we're going to take a, a quick week break off of the drunk trades. They'll be back in full force uh, for next week. In fact, I'm going to start curating some additional recent drunk trades because I want off-season drunk trades now. Absolutely. As opposed to in-season drunk trades. Yeah, for sure. It'd be interesting to hear what some of these trades people are making here as we're predicting what's going to happen with free agency or the draft and, or these big blockbuster trades burying the lead, you know, a Stafford getting traded to the Rams for Jared Goff and a bunch of picks. Can we so, talk about this? Can well, we yeah. talk about this for a second? Because... It's our show. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> here's, here's what I want to, here's what I want to gauge right. you on here, Dustin, mm-hmm. for this trade. So I, I was flummoxed by this trade. I'll just say it. And I very rarely use that word, but I was flummoxed by this trade. Um, and then obviously once all the compensation started coming in and the bigger picture started expanding, it made a little more sense to me mm-hmm. because essentially what happened. So uh, Matthew Stafford gets traded to the Rams. In exchange, the Lions have to take on Goff's massive contract, which I think was a big part of this. Mm-hmm. But they also sent away two first-round picks and a third-round pick. So it's a lot of draft capital with, in my mind, a, a slight upgrade at quarterback in Matt Stafford. And then they the, the, the Lions get what, I guess, out of this? I mean, you do get a young quarterback who I don't think is dead to rights, but... Seems lopsided, no? Um, yes and no. I, I think Stafford is an upgrade. Um, I, I really just don't think Goff ever meshed well with McVay there in that offense. Yeah, he flashed and he had you know that one pretty good season, but I feel like overall that he just probably wasn't a hundred percent comfortable in that offense. I really like the move for them, especially for the Rams. I'm talking here with Stafford. Um, just because he's not afraid to sling the ball around. So immediately, I mean, it bump up Bobby Trees, Cooper Cup, Reynolds, Jefferson, like the whole crew, the tight ends there. They all get a they all get a slight bump for me. I do think that's an upgrade for the Rams. And obviously they're hoping that Stafford is that missing piece for them to make a run at the Super Bowl over the next couple years. Obviously, they have no first-round draft picks for, like, the next four years or something. Um, Forever. But why not take – as, you know, we've talked about with Dynasty and making trades or, or coming up with your rookie drafts, like, sometimes it's worth getting the proven commodity over a speculative first-round draft pick. I mean, the, they hit sure. less than 50% of the time. I don't know what the exact stat is, but – um, I mean, first round picks are the time they hit every time. That's right. So that's not a guarantee. So you're taking a, what is a proven commodity in Stafford. He's got plenty of years left. He's what, 33, I believe right now. So he could easily play for another five years, at least with the way quarterbacks are going. Uh, and for Detroit, I like it. Obviously they're in full blown rebuild mode right now. Uh, so they got younger at quarterback. And they picked up a couple first-round picks, granted they're future ones, but they're still first-round picks. So Detroit has multiple firsts now for the next couple draft seasons. 
which is really nice. Um, yeah, I, I just expect them just at this point, they're just full-blown rebuild again. Uh, but they've got some nice pieces on that offense, too, with Hawkinson and Swift. Now you got Goff, who is a decent quarterback. I mean, he's if easily... Holiday sticks around, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think it was a good move for both teams. I really do. It was a it was a blockbuster. It it honestly it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody was thinking anything along these lines. Uh, would ha- first of all, I didn't think any team would take on the big contract with golf. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that a couple of times on the show. Of like with Matt Ryan, I was thinking about that because he still has mm-hmm. quite a bit of uh, money on his contract. But I didn't know if maybe he'd be moving this offseason. I thought, well, it's going to be tough for teams to take on that contract money. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe <laughs> this is going to start a trend and yeah. we could see some shakeups here. Yeah. I, and I love that. It's just big blockbuster trade right before the Super Bowl kick off the offseason right. I mean, it's hopefully it's just good things to come here as far as what free agency is going to have. And, and if there's trades come up here before the draft. Uh, for players and picks, and I don't know. It's exciting. Like, I love it. I love any sort of trade in the NFL. I think it's great. <laughs> it is exciting. I, can I just – I want to put this out there. I want one of these every week, just one. One big, gigantic move every week. <laughs> we'll fill the boy uh, during these long winter months, and then come summer, they can stop, uh, and you know, we'll have the draft. <laughs> we'll have all the other things going on. So I don't think it's too much to ask. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do want to call out on this episode here. So we're going to be going through, of course, it's the victory laps and stuff. Uh, and we're going to look back at our bold predictions. But we're also going to take a very brief stroll down memory lane for our beer bets mm-hmm. uh, from the season. And just a quick weekly weekly recap here. Spoiler alert, you've done better. So uh, there would be a beer bet payout here a lot of the times in our weekly episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kick that down just a little bit. But it is going to happen. There's going to be one that happens here uh, in the next segment. But I just want to take away the suspense for you, Dustin, because you're going to get the reward coming up soon. All right. Sounds fair. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into it, do you want to do our ad read here? Give a shout out to our sponsor. Desperately to talk about Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight uh, is happily presenting, or we are happily presented by Monkey Knife Fight, I should say. Uh, Look, you know the deal if you've been listening to us, and if you haven't, welcome and go over to Monkey Knife Fight. It is a new daily fantasy sports service. You do very simple things. You pick a game, then you pick a number of players. Those players have stats attached to them. You pick more or less for the stats that they list. If you pick all of them, or in some cases, just most of them correctly, you win money. But what's even better is that you get money if you sign up using promo code DTFF. That will give you up to $50 in matching funds. Go to monkeyknifefight.com and remember promo code DTFF. All right. Thank you, Jake. So, beer bets. We yeah, had some. We had them. We had some. <laughs> we did them. I, uh, I, I have to say, many. no. Yeah. No. We, we didn't do too many sing- season-long ones. Uh, we kind of missed the boat on that in the off-season last year, but we made up for it in-season doing weekly beer bets. Uh, I am... Very pleased that I performed much better in our beer bets overall this season because I feel like last year I got just hosed over every single week. So I am extremely happy with how this turned out. Um, You should be. You should be because I'll just give – we don't need to go into what all the weekly ones were because if you're tuning in and and following along, uh, you heard and you saw the disastrous results for me mostly because uh, we did 12 total weekly bets. And Dustin won seven of them. I went home with just the five. So he bested me in the weeklies. Mm -hmm. But not only that. And those are already paid off. We did those the following episode. Um, But the season-long ones, we didn't do too many, like you said. Mm -hmm. We really only had four. And one of them got invalidated. Yes. But just to quickly remind folks uh, what they were, the first bet... Dustin, 
the first real bet was Mike Gesicki related. And it mm-hmm. was, would he finish inside the top 15 tight ends? You were adamant that he would. I was adamant that he would not. <laughs> uh, anybody who knows anything about fantasy football knows that you were correct by a wide margin. He was the TE7 to end the season. Sweet, sweet victory. So, uh, just to be spiteful, that's not the one that I'm going to pay off today. I'm going to pay off this other one that I'm less salty about. That's fine. But this one was about Derek Carr. And I don't know why we argued so much about Derek Carr in this offseason, but it felt like it crept up a few times. And this one was simple. Derek Carr will be the starter for the entire season. Mm -hmm. And you said he would? I said no. I thought foolishly that he would be eventually... Ousted by his backup, Marcus Mariota. Mariota would step in. Or the season would become so dire for the Raiders that they're mm-hmm. like, well, let's just check out with, with Marcus running the offense. We'll see how that looks. And that only happened for one game because because Derek Carr got hurt at the beginning of that game. Mm-hmm. I will say, Mariota looked very good running that offense in that game. I just need to get any uh, sense of goodness out of this as I can. But... No, you will not one as well. So that's the one I'm going to pay off here today. Um, But this other one, I'm so glad got invalidated. (laughs) I said Tariq Cohen would finish as a running back 20 or higher on the season, barring injury. Mm -hmm. Well, luckily, he got (laughs) injured for my sake. Not luckily for him, of course. I'm not wishing injury on people. But this bailed me out because he was like RB50 through the first three weeks before he got injured, and it didn't look like it was probably going to start trending up anytime soon. Uh, so that one is invalidated uh, because of the injury clause there. My one save grace, Dustin. I bested you in one. You got me once. We, at week seven, we came on the show. I said I liked what Nelson Aguilar was doing. I thought that he would continue to trend upwards throughout the rest of the season. At that point, he was the wide receiver, wide receiver 47. And I said, well, he'll finish at least there or higher at the end of the season. And you took the bet. You didn't believe it. And he finished wide receiver 34. Yeah, I did that. I did not think he would continue. But, hey, he somehow learned how to go from T-Rex to human being and have his arms out so he could catch a ball. Uh, I didn't think he would be able to figure that out. So uh, kudos to you, Aguilar, for for doing that. I'm, I'm proud of you. He embraces huge arms. What a, a good guy. Uh, now, with these, okay, we should get this band ripped off quickly, too. Last offseason, when we were paying off these beer bets, but the agreement was <laughs> you have to do a terrible, terrible garbage beer, mm-hmm. and you have to chug it. Okay, and so that's where all the steel reserves came in. I think we can both agree we never want steel reserves touching oh, the house again. Never, ever. So I don't have any other bad beer in the house, but I also didn't want to just do a shot like we'd been doing for the weekly ones, uh, which is fine for the weekly ones. I, li- I like that. It was more mm-hmm. about the embarrassment of yes. acknowledging that the other person was better. But I figured I would do a drop shot for you here tonight. Ooh. Okay? So right. up the ante a little bit. Now I've got in my hands from Trader Joe's a lovely mezcal. All right? So it's basically okay. spicy tequila. Think of it that way. And I'm going to drop it into this aha sparkling uh, orange and grapefruit. It's it's basically the only mixer that I have in the house. <laughs> is this is fair for you to do a drop out of this? Sure. I'll accept it. All right. I already started pouring, so it's really not up to you anymore. <laughs> this is what it's going to be. Uh, all right. As I pour my tequila or my mezcal, basically tequila, into... This lovely mustache shot glass. Dustin, you are a, a genius uh, fantasy football prognosticator just slash all-around good dude. So this one's to you, bud. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> was it bad because of the mezcal or was it bad because of the uh, mixer? It's bad because of the combination of things <laughs> that I decided to put in my mouth. Mezcal is really not uh, intended for that sort of thing. 
<sighs> it's like because it's like scotch and tequila mixed. And then I dropped it into what is clearly not flavorful enough to uh, to mask, <laughs> mask anything, but, but just flavorful enough to make it a bad idea. Nice. So, I might be drinking just a little bit more of the old mixer here mm-hmm. uh, to couch this one. To wash the uh, the sadness away of losing that bet. Yes. <laughs> that so, shot. I bet Derek Carr would like that shot. Probably. Yep. So, um... I know you're not paying off this one, but I, I just want to give you a, a word of advice here, Jake. I yep. don't think you should make any more tight end bets. Uh, <laughs> you, you're over two that I know of uh, with this yeah. Mike Gusecki and the Gronkowski one. So maybe you should yeah. stay away from tight end bets moving forward. I think that's, I think that's fair because as we go through our uh, bold predictions too, my, my tight end outlook there was not great. Yeah. So, I'm just not meant to have good things when it comes to tight ends. <laughs> That's fair. All right, All but right. do we want to move on here and, and talk about those bold predictions, speaking of? Yeah, let's do it. So I'll lead us off here. Uh, we'll start quarterbacks. Uh, these are the pol- pulled, bold predictions that we made just prior to the start of the season last year. So my quarterback bold prediction was Kirk Cousins will be the highest finishing QB in the NFC North. Missed that by a long fucking shot. <laughs> but but was not the overall result of that so pleasant to watch every oh, Sunday? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I should publicly uh, look right to the camera so Aaron Rodgers can look right into my soul. And as I say, I am sorry that I doubted you. I didn't think you were going to have a great season. Uh, my deepest apologies. I will never doubt you again. Okay, so there's that. Um, so, yeah, Aaron Rodgers finished as the QB3. Kirk Cousins, the QB11. Stafford, QB13. And Trubisky, QB27. So, Kirk Cousins didn't have a bad season. He was, he was, no. he was, a, he was a QB1, yes. but not the top in the NFC North. I should never go against my Packers. You really should. Uh, that's on you. I can't. I can't even absorb any of that off of you here because you just you should never mm-hmm. bet against number one, Dustin. This is. But true. I will say, yeah, to your point, Kirk Cousins showed out. Eh, not showed out, but he he showed up for you every mm-hmm. week. He was pretty consistent. QB eleven is nothing to shake a stick at. Mm-hmm. So uh, you weren't crazy far off in your notion of Kirk Cousins being a good fantasy quarterback this year yeah i just didn't see that offense for the packers clicking as much as it did for the season and seeing rogers throwing for a career high 48 touchdowns in the regular season like who would have thought that (laughs) (laughs) you you gonna bet uh on cousins over rogers for next year probably not okay we'll see though uh we'll have to tune in later in the offseason when we come back to our bold predictions again (laughs) you like son of a bitch (laughs) You know what's going to happen. My bold prediction for quarterback uh, was all about the rushing quarterbacks. I wanted Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Josh Allen to collectively rush for 2,500 yards or more and 25 rushing touchdowns or more. I will say this one was close. It really was. Um, Individual stat lines actually looked very good for all three of these. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen's rushing yards were a career low of 421 yards, but he made up for it with eight rushing touchdowns, which is pretty nice. Overall, I hit the over on the rushing touchdowns. There was 26 rushing touchdowns between the three of them, but I did miss on the 2,500-yard mark. They finished with a paltry 2,245 yards. The bums. (laughs) Yeah, I, I remember this, and I remember thinking... I could see the yards, like it's high, but I could see the yards. I didn't think that the touchdowns you would hit at all. Uh, who knew that Kyler was going to have 11? Let's be honest. I Wild. mean, that's just crazy. And, and Josh Allen, if he would have had, a, what, 200 more yards, he would have basically hit your your mark. I mean, 650 yards for Josh Allen isn't out of the realm of a reasonable rushing total for him. So, I, True. yeah, I that was that – was, that was well done. Even though you didn't quite hit it, I will give you kudos because that was well done. 
I appreciate it. So this is the point uh, where I make an excuse and say, if Lamar Jackson had missed that one game and then had to go to the locker room to poop for that half of a game, who knows? Maybe everything would be different. Don't do that when I'm drinking. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, now, running backs. You want to talk running backs? Here? Yeah, let's do it. So my running back bold prediction here was Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins will both finish as top 24 running backs. Uh, unfortunately, I hit on one, not the other, and not by a fucking long shot here. So <laughs> uh, Dobbins finished as the RB24. Uh, definitely came on late in the season, which was nice to see. Mark Ingram, for whatever reason, just he was a healthy scratch to end the season. So he finished as the RB77. Can't say I saw that coming at all with Ingram. No. We're going to talk about next week, uh, Mark Ingram, a bunch. <laughs> because yeah. you know who's all over him? Fucking this guy. <laughs> If anything, I would have thought maybe these would be reversed just because mm-hmm. I, I honestly thought that Ingram would be like the workhorse role uh, for this first year. And then Dobbins would be coming in, kind of swooping in at the end. Right. And exactly. that's just not what happened. Exactly. I thought the same thing. We thought so mm-hmm. wrong. I also thought wrong in my running back bold prediction, which a common threat I think we're going to talk about today even as we get into our victory laps, a little bit has to do with the fact that the pandemic did not affect the season the way that certainly I thought Mm-mm. it would. No, not I at thought all. shortened off season, you know, a bunch of rookies coming in, uh, games could be halted, postponed, canceled at any time. I honestly mm-hmm. thought we'd be lucky to get six games out of this entire oh. damn season. So same season right here. Quite frankly, all of this is just uh, kind of done uh, with that in mind. I said, though, based off that, that 80 different running backs would have an RB1 week, meaning they would finish inside the top 12 for a week at least. Sounds crazy, but in 2019, that was the case for 58 different running backs. They finished in the top 12 at least one week. So I thought... Love transposition or whatever the hell that math thing is. I don't even think that's a word, honestly. So I failed math and English in one sentence. Um, but I thought 80 seems like a, a reasonable jump, like it could be attainable. And it wasn't. But I was not crazy far off. Uh, there were 70 different running backs mm-hmm. that did that this year. 70 different RB1s this year uh, for at least a week. So there is definitely an uptick, mm-hmm. but not to the extent that I thought there would be. Yeah, I thought you were fucking crazy when you uh, said 80-plus. I was like, there's no fucking way you're even going to be close on that one. Uh, but hell of a lot closer than I thought, so. close Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. All right. Let's talk some good ones here with our wide receivers. Because yes. uh, we, we both hit on our wide receiver bold prediction. So, yay for us. <laughs> <laughs> Let the back bats begin. That's right. Uh, so I had Cooper Cup finishing as a wide receiver three, not wide receiver three overall, wide receiver three. So you're 25 to 36 overall. He finished as the wide receiver 26. So boom. Right there. Not much more to say about it. Right between (laughs) the eyes with that one. That was just a good call out. And I remember, so I did do my research here, Dustin. I went back and listened to these episodes where we talked about this. Oh, nice. uh, Because I wanted... You know, I want to know our rationale, and I forget shit easily. <laughs> so I, w- I was curious, and, and most of the things that you said on that episode were pretty true. It's just offensive uh, regression in general, which was mm-hmm. true, um, for fantasy purposes, let me say. Not for real life. Obviously, they made it very far uh, into the postseason to get crushed by Green Bay. But, uh, you know, that regression and the focal points of the tight ends coming into play where they're using more tight ends, That bore out this year, too. And I think a lot of folks expected Cooper Cup to be a fringe wide receiver one. So this Mm -hmm. seemed like a bold as shit take at the time and didn't turn out to be. He got bested, by the way, quite easily by Robert Woods, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. So uh, just want to call that out. But Mm -hmm. my wide receiver bold prediction, since we're on the good vibes train, Mm -hmm. I said Devontae Adams 
would outscore all other Packers receivers combined for fantasy points. And I thought this um, was pretty bold. I'll be honest. Like I, we all know that he was the focal point of the offense. I did not think that it was going to be quite like this. <laughs> Cause think about how, what that means. There's look, the depth chart is what it is, but there's a lot of guys there. So you have mm-hmm. to factor in wide receiver seven, getting 50 random points mm-hmm. and, and tallying that up all the way through. So what ended up happening, Devontae Adams was the wide receiver one, which even I did not expect. No. Honestly, I, I did have him as a top three, but I didn't have him as the guy and have mm-hmm. him. And he, and he did it by a good margin too. But he ended up 358.4 fantasy points. Just massive. That's uh, the best number by any wide receiver going back at least 15 years. It's uh, crazy. It's beautiful. All other Packer receivers combined, 291.1 fantasy points. The next closest on the list was MVS. He finished as wide receiver 55 with 137.3 fantasy points. I mean, to be fair, Alan Lazard was out for a couple of games, so give him that, I suppose. But still dominance by Mm -hmm. by Devontae. Absolutely. So good call on that. I like that. Well, that's enough patting on the back here. We got to go on the tight ends. Uh, Let's get back to reality. So this one hurts my soul a little bit that I, I missed this one. So I had Jonu Smith, who was my guy. He was my drinking buddy. Uh, I was screaming it from the mountaintops all off season. I thought this was he was going to break out this year. I had him finishing as a top four tight end, kind of behind the big three of Kelsey Kittle and. Andrews, I thought. Uh, I did think Waller was going to regress a little bit, but I thought he was going to be top four. And man, for like the first four weeks of the season, I was looking fucking gold, man. I was, I, you should have seen me. I, I was doing the um, uh, uh, the Brad Pitt dance uh, from that movie where he's, he's got the headphones on and he's doing this. From Burn After Reading? Yes. yes absolutely. I, I, that, that was me every fucking Sunday uh, for the first like, four <laughs> or five weeks of the season. And then I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, they decided to throw to every other fucking tight end on their roster and and play them. Uh, so he finished as the tight end sixteen on the season, which is super you, disappointing. You know you have to you have to blame Anthony Ferkser. That's who you have to blame. Ugh, here. That God. fucking guy who showed up literally out of nowhere. It was ridiculous. It's awful. I will uh, let me just alleviate some of this. Yeah, you looked right the first five weeks technically you were correct he was tight end four after five weeks even after seven weeks he was tight end five so he still looked Ugh. really good he just fucking nosed out at the end of the season there and it, it and i think there was i think there was a little bit of dinged up with injury you know nothing too serious where he missed a big stretch of games but probably enough that it it hampered him a little bit on the field not using that as Fair. an excuse but uh it's just disappointing because i really god i thought he was going to be the next big thing and i was really excited for it as did I. And honestly, he kind of factored into my tight end bold prediction, which was that four tight ends would post a thousand yard receiving season. Uh, this hasn't happened in a very long time. I thought this was the year that it could happen. And a couple of those guys, uh, of course, smashed it. Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. ridiculous. 1,500 plus yards for a tight end is just bonkers. Oh, it's so it's bonkers. bonkers. Ugh. If he is not taken in the first round of your redraft league next year, then your redraft league is stupid, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, because he's just such a crazy positional advantage, and mm-hmm. it's been happening for years. I think I've just been slow to really, really accept it. Um, Darren Waller also notched it with almost 1,200 yards, so – Big year for Darren Waller. We're going to talk about him a bunch next week <laughs> because I was out on him this year as well. Here's what I'll, here's what I'll say. That's, that's the end of this list. If George Kittle had stayed healthy, he was on pace for 1,268 yards. He wasn't healthy, so he doesn't mm-hmm. count. <laughs> and the next closest guy would have been TJ Hawkinson with 723 yards, nowhere close to 1,000. So I was losing this regardless. I really just wish I could have got three because it would have made it seem a lot better, you know, <laughs> than just this half measure bullshit. So I absolutely whiffed on uh, on this one as well. Well, 
I appreciate the honesty, Jake. I have to be honest. It's recorded. <laughs> if it was recorded, I'd be making up so much shit to make myself feel great right now. You have no idea. But uh, this this whole posterity thing is forcing me into honesty. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Well, the worst of it's over. We ripped off the Band-Aid. We got the bad part over with. Now we can bask in the glory of the things we got correct. Victory uh, laps! Yes. I wish I wish this list was a lot longer than it is for me. Um, <laughs> me too. Because my face plans for next week is ridiculous how many I whiffed on. But yeah. um, I don't have to worry about that till next week. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So this is our victory laps here. This is where we're going to pat ourselves on the back. Hopefully not, you know, hurt our elbows or throat or shoulder or anything too hard here. Uh, but this is all from what we said we thought were going to be sleepers for the season. Uh Busts, red flags, and of course our drinking buddies. So, Jake, why don't you start us off here with your first victory lap you'd like to take? Let's do it. This one's going to be brisk because the longevity of this victory lap, it didn't last very long, but while it did, oh, it was amazing. Uh, I I was a big fan of Ryan Fitzpatrick this year as a Mm -hmm. sleeper candidate. So we talked about him on our Sleepers and Bust episode. His ADP was criminal. Quarterback 31. He was undrafted in all, even in super flex leagues. This guy probably wasn't finding any space on the bench. Um, the year previously, he had finished as like quarterback three on a points per game basis mm-hmm. or something incredible for the games that he played. And that's what he always, not always, but in a recent past, that's what he does. And so I was like, well, take a fly, take a flyer on him. I didn't believe that uh, that Miami was going to entrust Tua at least right away to take over that offense. I, Whether due to injury or, again, the abbreviated offseason uh, with the pandemic, I thought that, that Fitz would get a shot. I actually thought he'd start basically the first half of games. He ended up starting the first six. Um, and in that episode, I said that he will be a quarterback one. He may be a frustrating quarterback one but he will be a quarterback one. Uh, and he finished his first six game as the quarterback eight. So he absolutely achieved that. His only other start, which came in week 12, he was also the quarterback eight. Meaning, if you started Ryan Fitzpatrick on the games that he was deemed to be the starting quarterback, you were very, very happy. And you had to spend literally nothing to get this guy on your roster. So that one feels good. Not just for me, but because I like I like Fitzmagic as a dude, you know. So it's always nice to see good dudes mm-hmm. uh, do good things. Yeah, and how do you not like the Fitzmagic man? I mean, come on, he's he gotta love it. All right, so I, I'm gonna call this uh, a victory lap here, uh, or a victory for me as a sleeper. Uh, I thought he was gonna finish much higher than he did, but I had Matt Ryan as a sleeper. It was it was his. It was his year to finish in the top five uh, uh, since it was his even year. But he did finish as a QB1. So I'm going to take that as a victory because he did finish as a QB1. Um, finished the season with 280 points. Uh, oddly, though, was 16th overall in points per game uh, for the season. So he had some boom weeks for you. Definitely won you some weeks as he finished as the QB 12, but, uh, I'm going to take it as a sleeper. Cause I think people were not expecting him to do as well uh, as this going into the season. I agree. I, I was expecting him to do well. I was expecting him to do more well, which is why I don't to bring him up on this episode, but, uh, as quarterback one, yeah, I, I think you just have to be pleased with the mm-hmm. fact that you get a guy uh, that that you didn't have to worry about most weeks. I think there was maybe one week where he really busted for you mm-hmm. and it made people nervous. But in general, just as a plug and play, it's like we talked about earlier with Kirk Cousins. He was basically more of a Kirk Cousins with slightly higher you know, upside on week to week. But again, he was a quarterback one and he was kind of being treated... He's being treated poorly. I'm going to say it in this I mean, offseason. Yeah, it wasn't sexy. And, you know, Julio missed some time. And it seemed like the rest of the time he was actually in, he was more of a decoy than an actual threat for the offense. Hayden Hurst, it was his first year in that offense. 
took some time for him to get more acclimated involved. Todd Gurley didn't do anything. I thought he would be Ugh. much more involved in the passing game, at least, than he was. Um, and it just remains to be seen now. They got a whole new offensive scheme coming in here, I'm assuming, with the new head coach and offensive coordinator. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there in Hotlanta. It's going to be real interesting next year to see how that all shakes out. I, I'm already thinking that I'm going to get Matt Ryan at a steal <laughs> going mm-hmm. into redraft leagues for next year um, mm-hmm. with folks kind of imagining him, you know, kicked to the side of the road. But uh, we'll see when we get there. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if I can have my opinion changed on this guy, the second on my list of victory laps, by the way. His name is Joe Mixon. He's mm-hmm. somebody... I don't like. <laughs> I've never had an affinity for Joe Mixon. We've we've I made never... that very clear on this podcast. We are we are not in the Joe Mixon fan club, either of us. So <laughs> no, I, I was we're right not there in with the Mixon you. business. Not in the Mixon business in the slightest. And uh, I, I called him a bust. Like coming in this year, I just I didn't see the hype. I didn't see uh, the talent is is there. He's got talent. A lot of running backs do, but not a lot of running backs. Uh, sometimes can find the path to fantasy relevance in their situation with or without that talent. And I thought with Joe Mixon going into a young team with a rookie quarterback, with a ramshackle offensive line that was relying on a former first-round pick who hadn't actually played a snap for them yet uh, to kind of boost everything, I thought it was a fool's errand, quite frankly. Now, what I will say, if you only look at the end results for Joe Mixon, it looks a lot better. Like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of look like an asshole if you're only looking at the end of year uh, for Joe Mixon because he played six games and then he got hurt. And I should say this is not a a victory lap for an injury. That's mm-hmm. dumb. I would never do that. I fucking hate people who do that, who take victory laps because somebody got injured. I think that's just just uh, what the what the kids are calling small dick energy uh, to <laughs> put something like that out there. What I will say, because after those six games, Joe Mixon was RB9. And so based off of that, you could say, well, he wasn't really a bust. His ADP was RB7. Yeah, he didn't match his ADP. But really, if you're that's in the pretty top close. 10... Yeah, if you're in the top 10, that doesn't matter anymore. It's just, can you hover around that area? And he did. But the issue is that almost all of this production came from one week. Came from a magical week four blow-up game where he had 150 rushing yards. He got six targets, 30 receiving yards, three touchdowns in that game. That one game accounted for 42% of his total fantasy output. Almost half of his fantasy output came from one of six games. That's not good. That means that the other games were bad. They were just ostensibly bad. There's, or at least bad for what you expected from a guy that you drafted that early. You know, he's, he's near that first round draft capital at that point, depending on how things shake out in your league. I want to say if you moved that one blow up game, down to just his season average, which was 16.6 fantasy points per game. And that includes the big blow-up game. So, so mm-hmm. the average is accounting for the blow-up game. But even if you just move that one game down to what the average was, he'd have ended up at the RB23. Oof. So that's not removing the game entirely. Right. Again, it's just kind of evening the playing field there. That's, that's rough. Um And that's more of what I would have expected from a long-term season outlook for him. We could argue all day about it because we didn't get to see it, unfortunately. And I would like to have this be a a full season's worth of data so that I could feel a little bit better about it. But as it stands, it's what we have to work with. And I'm taking it, goddammit. Yep, I don't blame you one bit. Yeah. Um, So question for you, follow-up, if I may. Mm -hmm. If Joe Mixon his ADP drops like where would where would his ADP have to be for you to draft him on your team this coming season if he falls to true RB2 range which I think is feasible with the up and coming uh, this year's rookies 
your Cam Akers, your J.K. Dobbins, those guys who might shove him down. If he's a true RB2, I'll, I have no issue taking him. But that's what he is, and that's what I've always thought he he is. Uh, as soon as he gets to, like, let's say RB16, that's where my draft finger probably starts hovering over that button. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking probably around 15, right around there. I guess it kind of depends on how I drafted earlier in the draft. and Because um, he does have that upside where he could be an RB1. I just... I just personally don't believe it, but it's yeah. definitely there. So I just, just a quick little temperature check on uh, Joe Mixon there. Right on. All right. So my next one, uh, Philip Rivers, congratulations on an amazing career, sir. As he is now retired, I hate to speak ill of someone that is no longer <laughs> in the league, but uh, I had him as a red flag. I didn't think he was going to produce uh, just because he was behind a better offensive line uh, uh, with, with Indianapolis this season. And you know what? He didn't. <laughs> uh, he kind of blew up towards the end of the season when their, their schedule got a little bit better. Uh, but overall he finished as the QB 20 on the season and 28th in points per game with 15. Uh, and he didn't miss any time. So no, he, he was not good. Um, if you drafted him, I'm sorry, because he, he didn't put up the numbers like we're used to seeing. He was always that fringe QB1 in that maybe 11 to like 13 range pretty much every week or every year for like the last like six years. He was he was yes. that right there. Uh, so he's super consistent. Uh, great uh, deal late in the draft to pick him up as like your second quarterback, maybe someone you could throw in for a bye week or if you need to. Uh, but yeah, this year the bottom just fell out with them. Maybe it was moving to a new offense, new scheme that could be part of it. But uh, regardless, he didn't perform how, how we all thought he would. So uh, Philip, congratulations on a great career. Go uh, start a baseball team with your nine kids. <laughs> you can even have somebody working refreshments with those numbers mm -hmm. uh i will say to be to, to be clear he finished exactly how you thought he would finish the year just not how the consensus Correct. thought that he would finish the year i think it's important to call that out for you dustin because <laughs> i even again listening to these episodes i was i wasn't as quick to write him off this season as you were only because I thought, well, he's going to that great offensive line. Mm -hmm. You know, if they give him time, uh, maybe his arm still has the strength to get it downfield. And then that'll be the salve for a lot of his issues from the year prior. And boy, was I wrong about that. <laughs> to be fair, their their old line was not so. It wasn't as dominated. Yeah, it wasn't as dominant as maybe the last couple seasons. But still, pretty rough stuff. Mm -hmm. So well, well done. And. Perfect time for retirement, Phil. Enjoy mm -hmm. it. Exactly. Uh, now, my my next guy in the list is also from our Red Flags episode, somebody that I was in, uh, uh, avoiding entirely. And it wasn't because of talent. It was purely because of situation. This was Cam Akers, rookie running back for the Rams. I was concerned about the running back by committee that Sean McVay seemed very adamant about. Mm -hmm. All off season, every blurb that you read was him calling out Daryl Henderson uh, and praising his talent and saying that he he was committed to a committee, and that doesn't bode well. You don't you don't hear that from coaches. If anything, you hear the opposite. You hear them say, "We love this guy. Uh, we're going to go all in on this mm -hmm. guy," and maybe that work. Maybe that pans out. Maybe it doesn't. But you almost never hear him like, yep, we're just going to get everybody together in a bucket and whoever is good that day, we're going to toss him out there. And that was a vibe that he was giving off. And to be fair, that wasn't even actually true because Daryl Henderson ended up just leading that backfield for the majority of the season. For the first really 11 weeks, it was the Daryl Henderson show. And he looked pretty good doing it. There was no reason to be like, oh, what the hell is Sean McVay thinking with Daryl Henderson out there? It wasn't one of those situations. You know, like, why are the Bears still trotting out Jimmy Graham? It, it wasn't something like that. Um, now, his ADP was, was running back 26. He ended up finishing the season at RB45. 
For redraft, that's a killer. What's even more of a killer for redraft is when you don't get to start a guy for 11 weeks. Mm -hmm. Through week 11, he had a total of 201 rushing yards, three total targets for 27 yards, and a single receiving touchdown. So isn't that nice? That is Uh, not nice. That's the opposite of nice. (laughs) 11 games. If you spend a draft pick on this guy, there's no way you held on to him for 11 weeks. You probably didn't hold on to him for four at that point. You shouldn't have. Yeah, and if you did, you were just clogging up your Mm -hmm. your bench. And then Mm -hmm. you didn't get, you know, James Robinson because of that. You know, something like that. So it's just, it's when we talk about rookies that are going to bust or that we don't like, it's normally not because we don't like their talent. I mean, maybe sometimes it is, but. Normally, it's just like their situation sucks, and mm-hmm. you don't want to be invested in them for the first sucky period of the season. I concur. I will say, though, he is someone that I will probably try to invest in more in this offseason. Hopefully, I know I know we had a good end of the season run uh, for the most part, but hopefully I can use these stats to to show how poor he was and try to get him on my team. Cause I do think he is the real deal. And that backfield will always be a committee backfield. There's not going to be a three down back workhorse in that with McVeigh. I just don't ever see that. Uh, Cause he likes so many different packages and different ways to, to use his players. But I do think he can be the bulk carrier in that offense as far as the running back. So I will try to, to get him on a rebound this season because I do think he will produce much better. I think he could approach RB1 status for me in redraft next year. Um, even even like you said, even though it's it's probably going to be more of a split, like I, I think he'll take over the majority of it. And I, I could be tempted. We'll, we'll see. Obviously, mm-hmm. we'll revisit this here later in the offseason. Absolutely. All right. So my next one here, uh, which... I have a this this one gives me worms and fuzzies. Let's be honest, it really does, because uh, there was so much hate and discontent around this take of mine. Uh, this was another red flag of mine. Tyler Higby. He finished as the tight end seventeen. Do you know where he was being drafted? So goddamn high. <laughs> he was being drafted as the tight end nine last last off season so did not return on that whatsoever and he was 22nd in points per game with eight and a half not even double digits for you oh that was just killer and i warned everyone i said you know what it's gonna be more of a split i'm like gerald everett's still there it's gonna be a split and let's be honest that whole offense kind of took a a little bit of a step back this year uh but i i Gerald Everett was super involved last year before he got hurt in 2019. Yeah, he was super involved with the not super involved, but he was very involved with that offense before he got hurt. Then Tyler Higby came in and became the focal point because there was no one else there. So I, I didn't see what everyone else was seeing. Yes, he's a freak athlete, but say the same with Janu. It's a freak athlete, but just didn't pull through. So, um, I will give myself a big huzzah for that one because I feel really good about that take. As you should. I remember it was a debate on Twitter. You see this a lot on, it was on big, fantasy Twitter. It was big. You know, is it Higby or is it Everett? And there was almost nobody, by the way, that was in the middle playing the, well, maybe they'll both cancel each other mm-hmm. out. You know, it was, you pick a side. This is Sharks versus Jets. Uh, you have You have to pick a side here. And you were, you know, for all intents and purposes, you were more Team Everett than Absolutely. Team Higby, if, mm-hmm. if that was the line that was drawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was so funny. I saw people that he was a top five tight end for them. And I just, I mean, I didn't get it. <laughs> Obviously, you got it even less because you you made this correct prediction here. Mm-hmm. So well done, sir. Well done. And uh, in landscape of tight ends, which I know nothing about, I feel good that my counterpart seems to know a lot about them. Uh, so it, it's nice to have that balance out here. Mm-hmm. Um, next on my list is also not a tight end. I have another running back. Who is Chris Carson? He was my drinking buddy 
man. He was he was my drinking buddy. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that means we pick one guy, one guy at each position to plant our flags on. We did that this last year. I went all in on Chris Carson. I actually debated about putting him in here for a victory lap because similarly to Joe Mixon, we didn't get the full Chris Carson experience mm -hmm. this last year. He missed quite a bit of time, and it was really frustrating because he was on his way to prove me right. He was the consensus RB18 for ADP coming into the, the draft season. In the games that he played, he finished RB13. He was RB13 in points Oof. per game. That makes me feel happy because, again, this is a, a borderline RB1. Anytime you can get an RB1, you are happy. You are mm -hmm. happy as a clamp. And he was a consistent guy. He wasn't the guy who got all of his points from one game. Sorry to keep throwing shade at Joe Mixon, but don't. also not really. No, don't. Uh, you know, he, he spread the wealth. You were basically happy every game that you had him in, in your lineup, except for the ones that he got injured and didn't play. Um, so that's really all I have to say about Chris Carson. It's unfortunate, especially now, because we don't know what his future is going to be. He is a free agent. He could end up with Seattle, but I would say it's a, it's more of a chance that he doesn't than he does at this point. And, and then I don't know if I can trust him going into next next season but man for one one brief section of the season i was riding high with chris carson same here and it hurt you know the roster i had him on it it was painful to not know if i could actually play him or not because there's a lot of weeks where he was you know kind of a game time decision and then it'd be like crap i gotta go change my lineup yeah it, it was super disappointing because i do believe in chris carson i think he's very underrated and yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Fair right. enough. Who's next on your list? All right. So my next one here, we talked about him already briefly because of a beer bet that was made. Uh, this is Mike Gusecki. He was one of my sleepers on the season. Uh, as we said before, he finished as the tight end seven overall, uh, averaged um, almost 17 points per game. And he was drafted, I believe, as the tight end 17, 16 or low. 17. It was, it was quite low. Uh, so if you did draft him late and, and you listen to me, you got a hell of a return on that value. So you're welcome. Here's the point where I say, this is why I didn't want to pay off the bet today. Because I knew we were going to have to talk about him twice. It was already too much of a salt in the wound situation. So <laughs> that, that's why you're going to have to wait on that your bet payout the other the one thing that i'm genuinely curious about with you as the resident kasiki truther here mm -hmm. uh, rightfully so does it worry you his boom bust situation i mean there were there were definitely games where if you started him you probably came close to winning your league or, or winning your week based off of his performance alone mm -hmm. there were definitely a lot of quiet games for him though too is that because of the quarterback scramble? Is that because of something else? Do you trust him going forward, I guess? I do trust him. I know Adam Shaheen got in there a couple weeks and had, for whatever reason, was the focal point of the, the tight ends instead of Gusecki. I don't know what that was about. But, yeah, I, I see him um, solidified as, as a good tight end one next season. Um, I think part of it could have been because of the – quarterback carousel that was going on and still could be going on let's be honest if watson ends up there oh Ooh. landing gear up and take flight like because he loves his tight ends um, landing gear up in my pants if that happens <laughs> jeez but um you know he's what going into his fourth year this next season so he's kind of coming into his own now i think if you don't want to spend up for your tight end and you're just looking for someone that can be finish as a top 10 tight end take Kaseki. he'll i think he'll be more consistent this next season than he was this year fair fair i like it well look i wanted to close out my list on the highest of high notes <laughs> and the only way that i can do that is with bobby woods oh, uh, b-dubs 
I think we were both super high on Robert Woods coming mm-hmm. into this year. I just happened to select him as my other drinking buddy. That's right. I went. I went all in on the savior, Robert Woods, at my wide receiver drinking buddy. And God damn it, it may not have been as sexy as I wanted it to be. Because, you know, I wanted him to come stomping out every single game. But it still looked pretty damn good. His ADP was wide receiver 19. He finished the season at wide receiver 13. All the more impressive, again, when we reflect that Cooper Cup finished as wide receiver 26. So Mm -hmm. it was... It was the Robert Woods show mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And it it didn't come in waves. It it came just with consistency. And they utilized him differently. He got some rushing attempts. Basically every game you saw him get some rushing attempts too. Occasionally he would break one for you, which was always nice, and maybe get a touchdown uh off of some random, you know, rushing attempts. But he only had Dustin, Dustin. He had zero games with less than five targets, and he had three games with less than uh, six. So that's as a baseline, that's what you mm-hmm. need from your wide receiver, let's say two, mm-hmm. um, or better yet, flex if you're able to get him as such. That's the kind of consistency that you want out of that position. He wasn't flashy, but God damn it, it worked. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And. Again, one of those perennially kind of underrated wide receivers. He doesn't do anything flashy, doesn't necessarily have the huge boom games, but, oh, that floor is just tremendous, and I love it. All right, we'll finish off here. My last victory lap here I'll take. It's Marvin Jones. And this kind of feels dirty, taking it as a victory lap. Uh, He was one of my drinking buddies. Uh, He finished as the wide receiver 18 on the season which solid wide receiver too. I don't think anyone was predicting that Uh, his ADP going into the season was where did I lose him on here? Wide receiver 36. So he was very, very low end wide receiver three. So that's why I'm taking this as a victory lap. Uh, The thing that was a little concerning though, is that he was 26 in points per game. So he was definitely boom bust for you this season. We saw as the season kind of progressed and it got later on, he got more consistent uh, towards the end of the season. Early on, though, uh, you know, with Galladay kind of in and out a little bit and then Galladay's mysterious injury for the rest of the season, uh, you know, that offense as a whole just kind of struggled. Towards the end, they kind of got it together a little bit with Swift getting much more involved, Hawkinson doing his thing. Marvin Jones finally got a little bit more consistent. So it, it was a little boom bust for him this season, but uh, the fact that he outproduced his ADP by almost half, or you could say it's exactly half if I could do math uh, quicker. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will take that as a victory uh, because you did return great value for him if you drafted him that late. And I just want to say, you know, if you draft Marvin Jones, you're in for some boom bust times. This you you have to accept that that comes with the territory. You can't ask him to do something outside of of what he's done <laughs> for the last few years, and you just got to take it. You got to accept it. And that that overall finish though is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I still have an aversion to all things Marvin Jones <laughs> after as you that should fateful <laughs> bet that we had a couple years back, but. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want the full story on that, go listen to, I don't know, all of our episodes, I guess, from a year ago. But no, yeah. I, I really, uh, I don't know that a ton of people were touting Marvin Jones, to, mm-hmm. certainly not to the extent you were. So good on you. All right. So that finishes up our episode here, since that's the end of our show sheet. One quick last question for you, Jake. Who yeah. wins the Super Bowl? Ah. Uh, Fucking nobody. <laughs> nobody wins by watching it. I'll tell you that. At this, it's the Super Bowl, and I'll try not be so salty. But I am not that interested. Get the storylines: Mahomes versus Brady, the goat versus the potential next goat. Uh, I just don't care <laughs> because my backers are eliminated, and I'm a pouty bitch about uh, Chiefs. I guess. What what score do you think Chiefs? it'll be? Oh, God. 
You know, every time I predict a shootout, it ends up being the exact opposite. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go low with this. Let's say it's a defensive game. I'm going to say that it is 20 to 17 Chiefs. Nice. I think the Chiefs will pull it out, or that's at least who I'm rooting for. I hope they pull it out. Um, I just don't want to see Brady win another one. And it's nothing against the man himself. I'm sure he's a uh, a very nice man uh, overall. I just, I am not a stan of Tom Brady, and I just, I just can't see him winning another one. So that's why I'm rooting for the Chiefs. And yeah, I would like to see Andy Reid get another one. Let's be honest. He deserves it. So I'm going to say 28-24, Chiefs. All right. I like that neither of us are going with the crazy 50 to 45 kind of bullshit. I think it's going to um, be strangely defensive. I don't know why. I just I just have a feeling. And now you know because we both were so effusive about picking the Chiefs that Brady's going to get his other ring, and then we're mm-hmm. never going to hear the end of it. And this is I'm going to want to go lock myself into a closet <laughs> <laughs> for the offseason. All right. Well, that will do it, folks, for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Jake, why don't you tell folks where they can find you? You can find me at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter. Yes, and you can find the podcast at Drinking Fantasy on Twitter. Our DMs are always open if you have any off-season questions for your Dynasty team or redraft. We're always here for you. We're happy to help. We love giving out advice. Please, please, please go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a rate and review. We do appreciate it. And you can find me at FF Dusty Dog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers.